Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Radio. I'm your host, John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Uh, this is normally when you would hear Jimmy Kemsky's long hello, but Jimmy's on vacation this week, so... I'm uh, jumping into the fray, the Jalen Hurts of the podcast, uh, jumping mm. in, trying to just uh, get some first downs here as I, as I learn the ropes again uh, for BGN Radio. Jimmy and uh, Brandon Lee Gotten doing a great job on the on the show as of uh, as of late and uh, joining me as he used to do every week. And uh, you hear him every week on BGN Radio is the great Brandon Lee Gotten. Brandon, how are you feeling, pal? John, it's great to be back here with you, bud. Uh, I just want to appreciate. I want to say I appreciate you, of course, and you know this, but I just want to oh, yeah. also say in front of the listeners, I always appreciate you. You know, filling in uh, in, a, in a time where BGN Radio was in uncertain times. So uh, I, I miss doing episodes with you, bud. But I always still appreciate hearing you on the NFC East podcast, where uh, you know you're talking about the rest of the division and obviously the historical perspectives that you do here on this network. So just want to yeah, because I'm old. Say, <laughs> yes, because, because uh, that's what I'm saying in a, in a not yeah. so uh, direct way. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that you're old. Um, and I also, John, wanted to before we get into things here today. We, I think we have a good podcast here for you, as much as there isn't, you know, uh, normal Eagles news as there would be this time of year. Just wanted to say, remind everyone that uh, Father's Day is coming up, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. a good time, no better time, really, to get involved with BGN Radio's new sponsor. Uh, Righteous Felon, you know, BGN Radio obviously presented to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. And now you can eat the same meat snacks as the Eagles do. You can go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout for 15% off orders of $45 or more. So definitely go check that out if you're interested. And uh, what do we got here today, John? Yeah, we're going to go over some. I'm working on a piece for Bleeding Green Nation that'll be up uh, later here on Thursday as we're recording this. Uh, Right. Go through my top 16 head coach quarterback combinations in the league. And uh, Brandon and I are going to do a snake draft of who we would pick as our top head coach quarterback combo. And I have 16 on the site that I'm working for. So I thought we could even go eight deep because I think it even gets more interesting the further down you go. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to talk a little about Sidney Jones coming up later in the podcast some possible other bounce back candidates here for the 2020 season. And so we're going to do all that here over the next uh, 45 minutes or so on BGN radio. And so, uh, so Brandon, let's jump into this because I think, you know, we have a lot of expectations for, for Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson this year. Carson made it through the entire regular season healthy last year, but didn't have a whole lot of talent at the wide receiver position to throw to. I think we're all hoping that that has changed here this offseason. And when you pair him with Doug Peterson, you obviously have one of the more dependable, high upside head coach quarterback duos in the NFL. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to take a look at them all, see where 
Doug and Carson rank, but also just go through, you know, looking around the rest of the league, it's it's drastically different from last year. I mean, last year you would have had Belichick and Brady at the top, and that pairing has disappeared. There's a number of other pairings that have disappeared. Some some quarterbacks that were at the bottom of the list last year are up near the top this year for me. So um, I also I wanted to get your thoughts and uh, hear what your, where your rankings were. I think our, our top ones will probably uh, mesh pretty closely together. So why don't you jump off and uh, and and do be the leadoff hitter? And I guess we'll just go back and forth rather than do we want to do snake or do we want to do just back and forth? I mean, snake is probably most fair, I would guess, right? All right. Why don't you lead off here then, buddy? So the number one pick in the 2020 <laughs> BGN quarterback <laughs> head coach ranking uh, draft here that we're doing. I mean, can I really go any other direction than the reigning Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid? I mean, yep. like it, it's hard to go any other direction with this. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a clearly a special, special, special talent quarterback. Just really wild what he can do. Uh, you think back to how, you know, Chiefs were down in those playoff games just because, you know, their offense is great, and he's a big part of that, obviously. And then Andy, too, just, you know, being a one of the best coaches uh, in the league and now really uh, establishing, like, cementing himself, like, leaving no more debate because no more, super, you know, oh, you can't put Andy near the top because no more Super Bowl. I mean, he has the Super Bowl now. So I think that's the, the obvious number one pick. Yeah, and so I think that's obvious. You know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes were, nine, were my number one as well. I mean, it's... Reed's been a great quarterback for a really long I mean a quarterback a great head coach for a really long time but you know he finally got he finally got his Super Bowl title and he did it with the best quarterback that he's ever had and so there there's no better pairing as long as Patrick Mahomes is in the league I can't imagine Andy Reed going anywhere I mean why would you so I think Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes is number 1 that's my top choice as well number 2 pick I'm going John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson and wow. I thought yeah, I thought what Harbaugh did last year with Jackson, they completely revamped the offense. I mean, it's a it is a different, a completely different offense uh, than the one Joe Flacco used to run. That is an incredibly hard thing to do, especially to the degree with with which Harbaugh changed things around, specifically to to maximize the talent of of Jackson, who has an incredible ability to run the ball but also throw it really well. I think this year they're gonna they're gonna continue that because they're gonna use last year's divisional round playoff loss as a as a motivator. Uh, I think Harbaugh showed that he is as as innovative as any head coach in the league. So for me, I would take those two guys um, number two overall. Who do you got at three? Because I, I, I want to I'll weigh in that in that. All uh, right, after, okay. After, I don't want to spoil anything. On my I board. got Sean Payton and Drew Brees okay. at at number three. I mean, that's just it's a classic combo. They they mm -hmm. it's hard to believe. I mean, when was the Super Bowl they won? Was that two thousand six? They did that, and here we are. Is that right? Could it have been that long ago that it was two thousand six when, when they won a Super now. Bowl? Yeah, I mean that's like fourteen years ago, and they're still together. They're still doing it, and I think the Saints are probably the favorites in the NFC this year to go to the Super Bowl. So. His ability to keep things fresh and for Drew Brees to keep slinging it the way he has been all these years. I mean, they're both going to be in, I think they're both going to be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe not Sean Payton, but he's on a track. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. He's been doing this forever. Um, it'll be interesting. He's more of a question mark than Brees is. Brees is going in, no doubt about it. But, you know, they have been doing this for such a long time. I don't see how you could have them any lower than number three. Yeah, I mean, the Saints have been, you know, among the NFC's elite now for just year after year. Their offense each year is putting up elite production. Now, they do choke in the playoffs every year, as I will 
they correctly do. point out. Um, and I, I don't like the way like Breeze has kind of seemingly like fallen off at the end of some of these years here. You know, you think back to the 2018 championship game, you know, where they're at home and they're, you know, all the Saints fans complain about the pass interference that wasn't called. But I mean, Breeze got the ball first in overtime and he choked. So, yes, he did. uh, but obviously, you know, Peyton, a great head coach. So yeah, I had them three on my board. I had Lamar and Harbaugh four on my board just because. Mm. I want to see a little bit more out of Lamar. I think he's very good. Like, I don't have any, like, questions if he's going to be a good, he's obviously going to be a good player. I do think he's going to regress a little bit this year. And I do think the, uh, the running thing is interesting. And I want to see how that holds up, um, you know, over a longer span. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I had him four. I, I hardly had him low on my board, but John, uh, I'm so glad this player here still is on my board and surprised he didn't steal him from me. Uh, Russell Wilson, baby. Number two. Yeah. Uh, now here's the thing, Pete Carroll don't love it as much, you know, and some of the, mm-hmm. the Seahawks have going there, they're kind of like antiquated in how they think, and they really don't maximize right. Russell Wilson because they don't let him right. throw as much as they should, and they don't really build the offense around him. So that's kind of a knock on that combo. But I mean, still, but even, even with that said, I mean, the Seahawks still have like great, te- here's the thing. The, the Seahawks, do you know how many times they've had uh single digit wins under Russell Wilson, John? I would guess. Three? One time. It's only happened <laughs> once since Russell Wilson wow. has been the starting quarterback. And it was it was still nine wins. So it was one yeah. game away. <laughs> like Russell Wilson's amazing. Like he the, yeah. he wins. You know what you want to talk about guys who just win. I mean he wins and he puts up good numbers, so it's not just like this ambiguous he wins, he knows how to win. Like Russell yeah. Wilson, obviously really good. Eagles fans, unfortunately, know that all too well as he gives them troubles each year. So definitely uh my my number my second pick and number two overall on my board, so I'm glad he was here. And then uh, for my next pick, this is where the Eagles side yeah. of things comes in because I have Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson fifth overall. It's interesting to think about the Eagles' outlook as a whole because, you know, there's you can find reasons for skepticism. You can look at, like, okay, the linebacker situation, maybe not great. Cornerback, uh, like, is Darius Slay going to work out? Is the spot opposite from him? Are the Eagles going to figure that out? Is the pass rush good enough? You know, are, are, the, are the wide receivers good enough still? When really mm-hmm. only you added, like the only new player significant that you added is Jalen Rager, and you're hoping on Deshaun Jackson to get healthy and everything. So there's like a lot of question marks on the team. Uh, how are they going to replace Malcolm Jenkins? Like so many question marks to answer. But when you, you know, boil it down to the essential, uh, the, the most critical element here, which you could say, is quarterback, head coach. I mean, they're in great shape, I feel like, with Carson Wentz, who um, I, I don't think nationally people realize he's good like as he is always just because he hasn't had the threshold of a supporting cast. It's not even ha- about having an elite supporting cast and saying he needs that to win. He needs, like, you got to give him a, the threshold. And they, they haven't met the threshold when it comes to giving him like adequate skill players in recent years. And we all saw that last year, obviously at wide receiver, especially. And Doug, Doug just gets it done, man. I mean, what, what can you say? He's won a Super Bowl. He's like what? 12 and two after week 15 or week 15 and on or, or for his career. Like he gets it done. His teams play hard for him. Uh, they're one of the best quarterback head coach duos in the league. So I don't think it's just a Homer thing to have them five, you know, I have them behind Mahomes. I'm and Reed, I have him behind Wilson and Carroll, I have him behind Breeze and Peyton, and I have him behind Lamar and Harbaugh. Though I, I kind of toyed with that one, but you probably have to give it mm-hmm. to Lamar after his MVP season last year. So Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, number five. 
Yeah, I have them in the same exact spot you do. I have Peterson and Wentz at number five on my list because, and I think for me, it's more, it's even more a reflection of Peterson just because Wentz has missed a lot of time in the last couple of years, but not last year when, when, when with basically no skill at the wide receiver position, they were able to still make the postseason and go on that late season run. And Carson Wentz played in an MVP level that final month of the season. It was really, it was really pretty remarkable. And I, I, I agree with you. It's really going to, Jalen Rager is going to be the key to the Seagulls offense and Deshaun Jackson staying healthy. You think about week one last year, how that offense was struggling and then two deep balls to Deshaun and, you know, they're off to the races. It's just, they clearly need that element back. And um, I, I love Peterson Wentz as a combination. And people forget about how great the offense was with those two in 2017 before Wentz got hurt. Like Peterson and Wentz were absolutely killing it in 2017 and before Wentz got injured. And then we all remember what happened in 18 and 19. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I got him at number five. Let me explain to you why I have uh, Carroll and and Wilson at number four on my list. Mm. And that's Carroll's more of a defensive minded coach. And I think, I think that they have won in spite of Pete Carroll in a number of cases, specifically because they still run an antiquated offense because they don't utilize Russell Wilson in the best way that they could. Whereas conversely, I thought, Harbaugh has used, I mean, specifically tailored his game plan for his quarterback, whereas Pete Carroll seems to do the exact opposite. Like, I agree with you. If I got to choose between having Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson right now as my franchise quarterback, I'm taking quarterback. I'm taking Russell Wilson every single time, even though I think Lamar Jackson is going to be a really good player in this league for a number of years. Russell Wilson is a first ballot Hall of Famer already. So, yes, I, I think Wilson is probably maybe the the second best quarterback in in football behind Mahomes. But I think Pete Carroll really, really knocks the combo down because I don't think Carroll does much for Wilson. And so that's, that's why I had them at number four on my list. So I have no problems with, uh, with you taking that duo on. All right. For number six, for me, I've got Bruce Arians and Tom Brady at number (laughs) six. I just, you know, and I wonder, this is all dependent on whether or not, you know, Brady is shot, whether or not he's got anything left in the tank. He might be shot. Tom Brady might be done. I think if there's any head coach out there that can get the most out of him, it's Bruce Arians. Arians had a lot of success with Carson Palmer, of all people, in Arizona. Even helped Arizona to a winning record with Drew Drew Stanton, at quarterback, for a number of games. Uh, He he was one of the integral pieces in Indianapolis' offense as the offensive coordinator to help Andrew Luck have some of his best seasons as a pro. So if there's anything left in Tom Brady, and I think there probably is a little bit left in Tom Brady, I think Arians is a guy who can absolutely maximize whatever Tom has left. And so especially as I look down the list at some of these other at some of these other combinations, I think Arians and Brady are going to put together a pretty good year this year in Tampa Bay. Uh, for my number seven selection, I have, and Eagles fans might not like this, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. Mm. It's it's going to be interesting to see the difference between McCarthy and Jason Garrett because we don't really have any idea what did Jason Garrett actually do on a day on a day in day out basis in Dallas. I, I don't know that Dak has ever really had a a true offensive minded guru to maximize what he can do, and I think Dak Prescott. As much as we like to joke about Dak, and as much as we don't like Dak Prescott you know, as as a as a competitor, you know, a rival of the Eagles, he's he's a good quarterback. And you know, with Mike McCarthy there, McCarthy and and Aaron Rodgers' relationship soured in Green Bay. McCarthy isn't the greatest head coach in the world, but I think that these two guys together will make a pretty good duo in Dallas. And that Dallas offense this year should put a lot of points on the board, given all the talent they have at wide receiver and Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. 
So they, they are number seven for me. I'm taking Arians and Brady at six and McCarthy Prescott at number seven, BLG. So that's funny. I laughed earlier because I have Brady and Arians at six as well. I do feel uncertain about this one because I think Tom Brady showed signs of like just being legitimately washed last year. You can talk about the Patriots, you know, uh, supporting cast not being great. And there's, there's truth in that. But still, like just watching him, especially in the Eagles game, like, I don't know, man. He didn't look like the, the same Tom Brady to me. And uh, obviously, even in the playoffs there, losing to the Titans, uh, I don't think he is, you know, and, and you know, this is not like, this shouldn't be a shocking revelation. It's going to be what, like 44? Like, he's, time is catching up with him, clearly. Yeah. And now, I still think he has something left in the tank, and he's obviously so good that even if he's washed up, he's not going to be horrendous yet. Uh, still. Right. Um, and I think this Arians factor does boost it up, even though, like, uh, you know, don't love Arians in the sense of, like, some of the old stuff that used to go on, you know, with, uh, like, the chip and the Eagles and everything in the college offense, uh, even though, yeah. I guess, maybe he'd been right. Just some of the, the personality things with Arians I find strange or whatever. But uh, football-wise, you know, I like how he's aggressive. I mean, you look at, obviously, what he just did with Jameis Winston last year. And yeah. and he was, what, the NFL's passing leader in yards? Now, obviously, you know, Winston had the interceptions, too. But still, I mean, like, uh, I think Arians can... Uh, or deserves a shot. So I, I will take the risk there. It's obviously more of a short-term thing. And I, I guess we should say, you know, that's the focus of this activity. We're talking about 2020. We're not talking about yeah. you know, building a franchise here, kind of just more of like what's relevant for this season. So uh, if that's the case, you know, uh, you already have them. Um, so I'm going to go with my highest remaining combo on the board. And that is Big Ben and Mike Tomlin. Um, oh, boy. I, yeah, I feel obviously some risk here with Big Ben coming off the injury that he suffered last year. Um, an injury that you would know about, I feel like, John. It's, it's kind of like a Tommy John thing, right, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. I don't know enough. And I've obviously, you know, not really following the Steelers closely. I don't know how that's going. But um, assuming he can bounce back here, I mean, here's the thing why I'm, I'm going with Pittsburgh. I mean, I'll, I'll ask you another question here, John. Do you know how many losing seasons the Steelers have had since the year 2000? I will say one, since yes. that seemed to be the number last time. Hey, I nailed it. All right. The, the answer is one, and it was back in 2003. So the Steelers have never had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. Even, you know, when they had, like, Drek at quarterback last year, you're talking about Duck Hodges, you're talking about Mason Rudolph, like, they still found a way to not have a losing season. So I think the coaching there is just so good. Um, that like it, they're just a good bet to you know not be a disaster. So I'll take Big Ben and Mike Tomlin, uh, and then I'm gonna go with one that this is kind of where it starts to get dicey with me. I had one combo yeah. ahead of Dak and McCarthy just because uh, McCarthy was kind of weighing it down for me there. You know, obviously I think Dak is a franchise quarterback, and I was probably too hard on him in the past. I still don't think he's always as good as people make him out to be, and I think mm-hmm. obviously the the Carson versus Dak. Uh, debate gets silly because it just I, I don't think people factor in enough how much of a better supporting cast he has had like when you just look right. at uh, and Ruben Frank did a good job at kind of issuing or highlighting this lately where you look at like Dak's top targets over the last whatever years or, or over span of time and you look at Carson's I mean Carson's are Nelson Aguilar and like Alshon Jeffrey ultimately a wide receiver yeah. like those guys, you know, like, it's not Alshon's, much. <laughs> yeah, like, Alshon's washed up. And Nelson had to take a minimum contract with the Raiders this year. Like, these are his top weapons. You know, Dak is dealing with, like, Amari Cooper and you know, Zeke on his team, like, a yearly, like, a thousand yard rusher candidate, at least. Like, Carson Wentz has never had a thousand yard rusher. Like, so anyway, 
my next pick here would be, and I don't feel good about the quarterback part of this as much as I do the head coach part of this. I'm taking Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, Kyle Shanahan. Now, I think Shanahan is a great coach, very creative, and I'm kind of really more leaning on him in this side of things. I am more of a Jimmy G skeptic with Shanahan's coaching He'll find enough of a way to get it done with Garoppolo. I think they're going to take a step back this year, the Niners. I don't think they're, you know, mm-hmm. I think they go to the Super Bowl. And this is a big theory of yours always, John, that, you know, that team that yep. loses the Super Bowl kind of has this hangover. I don't think they're going to – I still think they're going to make the playoffs because I think they have so much talent and they're a quality team. And obviously there's seven seeds now in the playoffs. So I think they're going to get at least one of the top seven, uh, even if it's mm-hmm. on the lower end. But – but yeah, I, I'll take them. I don't feel like amazing about it. It's not my favorite pick. Like I feel better about the Steelers just because of the track record of consistency there in Pittsburgh. I will take them just because you know it's all about kind of the Shanahan uh, vibe there. Yeah, so you're taking them at nine. I had Shanahan and Garoppolo at at number eight. I'll mention your. I have Tomlin and Roethlisberger in my top sixteen, but I have them all the way down at number thirteen. Mm. And it's I agree with you about Tomlin. I'm I am down on Roethlisberger. I, I don't. Fair. I'm. I am pretty sure he's washed. And so I have them knocked down to number 13 specifically because of Roethlisberger. I think Tomlin is a phenomenal head coach. The fact that he got that team to 8-8 eight and eight last year with Mason Rudolph, Devlin Hodges, and Jalen Samuels is is pretty remarkable. So you're right. If, if, if Big Ben has anything left, they're much higher up on this list. I'm just not at all convinced Big Ben's got anything left, but you know that we'll see how that all shakes out. I, I think I think Ben is pretty much at the end of his time here. Um, so what, I'm picking number ten and you eleven take a break here. here? So, yeah, you know what? It's probably a good time to do that midway through the draft here. Let's uh, let's stop and we'll take a quick break. Back with more BGN Radio after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on BGN Radio. Uh, this is episode 123, in case I didn't mention that before. We've done 123 episodes of this podcast, BLG. That's pretty amazing. Um, mm. All right, jumping back into the head coach uh, quarterback uh, rankings here, snake draft that we're doing. Let me just recap for everybody what we've got. Um, I went with uh, Mahomes and Andy Reid at number one. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. BLG went with uh, Mahomes and Andy Reid at number one. I went Harbaugh Jackson, two. Peyton Breeze at three. BLG went Carol Wilson at four. Doug and Carson at five. I've got Brady Arians at six, McCarthy and Prescott at seven. And then in the last round, BLG went Big Ben and Mike Tomlin at eight and Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy G at number nine. So I am up picking number 10 and 11. Give me Matt LaFleur and Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, the Green Bay duo. It's funny. Do you remember? They went 13 and three last year. I think of the Packers as having a a worse season than that because the because of the fact the Eagles went in there on Thursday night and pulled that game out and and really their best win of the season by far obviously I totally forget that given everything that went went on went on with the with the 49ers and the Ravens and the Chiefs last year that the Packers made it to the NFC Championship game in Matt Lafleur's rookie season as a head coach 
Rodgers had a good season. He threw for about four th- more than 4,000 yards last year. He only had four interceptions all last season. And so you look at that season, you think, man, why are they not higher on the list? Well, they, they only had the 17th most uh, passing yards in football last year per, on a per-game basis, 233 yards a game. So I don't know that LaFleur and Rodgers are going to be this fantastic head coach quarterback combo, you know, and and it's still LaFleur's first season as a head coach. So I kind of want to see them have another season together before I move them a little higher up the list. But the Packers are one of those teams last year, and and Matt LaFleur is one of those head coaches that we didn't talk a lot about last season, even as they went 13-3, and because I think a lot of their wins were really close. I think they played a lot of close games, but they also swept their division last year. They swept the NFC North in, in 2019, which is really hard to do. I mean, that is... That is a difficult task to pull off, sweeping sweeping every game against the, the teams in your division. So uh, I've got LaFleur and Rodgers. I'm going to take them at uh, number 10. They are number 9 on the list that I'm writing for, uh, mm-hmm. for for Bleeding Green Nation. But I've got them at number 10 with the number 10 pick here. And then with the number 11 pick, I'm going to go with Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill. Mm. And this, this is one of those... This is one of those wildly crazy year-to-year fluctuations that I was mentioning when we first got started here. I was looking at some of, some other people's rankings heading into last season, and just about everyone had Tannehill at the bottom of any head coach quarterback combo because he was in Miami and he was his career was basically on life support. He comes to Tennessee. Mike Vrabel, he's, again, a former linebacker, so Mike Vrabel I don't believe is some offensive genius, but whatever Vrabel did with Tennessee last year, their offense exploded. Tannehill started 10 games, replacing Marcus Mariota midway through the season. So right there, give Vrabel credit for benching Mariota and putting Tannehill in at quarterback. Tannehill completed 70% of his passes in his 10 starts, and he led the league in yards per attempt, air yards per attempt, and yards per catch. And also through 22 touchdowns in 10 starts with just six interceptions. So based on that two-thirds of a season and the run that they went on in the postseason, I'd have a hard time having them below any of the other any of the other people on my list. So I've got Vrabel and Tannehill, and Tannehill does have some, has Derrick Henry in the backfield. So I grant you that. I mean, anytime you got a guy who can run for almost 2,000 yards in a season, that's going to help things out a lot. But Ryan Tannehill, I mean. The numbers speak for themselves with him, and I think he and Vrabel are on the ascension. I really like that duo. He signed a four-year contract extension. He looked really good last year. I've got Vrabel and Tannehill with the number 11 pick. They're number 10 overall in my list for, for Bleeding Green Nation, BLJ. Okay, cool. I had Rodgers and LaFleur at 11, so a little bit more down on them, I suppose, than you were. And just look at Rodgers' play against the Lions in Week 17 last year. And maybe I'm making too much out of one game, but like... The Packers were playing to win that game to ensure they get uh, a top two seed. And Rodgers looked terrible. Like, he looked horrible. And they're playing the Lions and not even the Matt Stafford Lion, like the David Blow Lions. Like, he was just (laughs) missing so many throws. And I I don't know. I just don't think Rodgers is the same player um, that we we think of him as. He has those moments in there for sure. Again, it's not like totally gone, kind of like I was saying about Brady earlier. But I don't know. Like I, I, I think there's a reason why the Packers drafted a quarterback in the first round this year. Like, I think they, they're seeing that too. Like they know he's mm-hmm. slipping a little bit, and he's still like when he can reach his highest highs, like we saw, kind of like he did at times against the Eagles when the Eagles played him. He's still very, very good. But I just I think the consistency isn't there as much anymore. 
And uh, so I, I was a little bit down on him. And I'm, I'm not the biggest LaFleur guy. I think this Packers team is like, they're so primed to regress in 2020. Mm. Like, take that step back. They weren't like a true 13 and 3 team to me. Like, yeah. like you said, the one score game thing. Like, they're going to take a step back. They still very might well be good and even win the division there. But um, I just, I, I kind of have questions about that team. Uh, so I'm going to go with my highest. And then with Tannehill, just real quick on that, I had them 13th. So not, you know, not low. Yeah, too far. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I do like Vrabel a lot. I just, there's something about him. I just, he seems to like know what he's doing. That's a very basic analysis yeah. there, but it's, yeah. it's just, I just get that sense. Like the players seem to like him. Um, he seems to be in control. Like I just, I get a good vibe about him. And then Tannehill, yeah, played at an elite level last year. Again, probably primed to regress in some areas just because he was so, so good. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he does, you know, with teams kind of preparing for him as the starter as opposed to the switch in season. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I have, my my highest remaining one again. I don't feel good about the coaching element on this one as much, but I do feel good about the quarterback, and that's Deshaun Watson, who obviously just does really mm. some special things out there on the field. And obviously, uh, Bill O'Brien as your general manager, you're kind of doomed here. That part of it I don't love, and also just coaching wise. I mean, uh, the choke job that they almost did against the Bills before they had to come back, kind of more so in Watson's talent really than I would say Bill O'Brien's coaching. Uh, and obviously the way the, the Texans choked against the Chiefs when they're in Kansas City. I mean, a lot of that was on Bill O'Brien. So really don't love his part of it here, but Deshaun Watson is very talented, and I feel like he can kind of make up for some of the coaching deficiencies. So I have Watson at 10th on my overall board, and I'll take him with this pick. And then my next pick, I'm kind of going upside here. I'm going with Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Yeah. Now, everyone knows I'm not a big Sean McVay guy, but I do like how the Cardinals improved on offense last year. And I kind of mentioned this when we were kind of going through the Eagles schedule and predicting wins and losses. And I think that Cardinals game could very well easily be a loss for the Eagles. Because when you look at the Cardinals in 2018, they were obviously, what, the, the worst team in the league. And their offense was atrocious. It was like, I think it was literally the worst in the league. You know, they finished with the number one overall pick. They get Kyler Murray. Cliff Kingsbury comes in with a, what I would say is like a decimated roster, kind of talent-wise, not the most talented team. And I thought they, they got a decent amount out of it, offensively at least, where they moved up to like in the teens, like 13th, I think, or 8th. Like they moved up into a, a pretty decent range offensively. And especially as the year went along and Kyler, you know, got more experience uh, and, and things of that nature. So I think... No, this is a risky pick because uh, they haven't proven it yet, clearly. But I think Kyler could be like that next Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson, like second-year quarterback who makes this big jump, especially now that he has DeAndre Hopkins to work with. Like, I think he could be that guy. So it's it's a gamble here on the upside, but uh, I'm taking them. And, and before we get to you, John, I just wanted to remind everyone that BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Snack Sticks are served at the Eagles NovaCare Complex, which is open again, uh, fueling station where players can get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it's got to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, PA, uses locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef, and is committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding. You can try all the flavors. My favorite is the Habanero Escobar. Uh, They also have the Truffalo Soldier, the Bourbon Franklin, a bunch of good different creative flavors that are all good. You should try them. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off. There's no limit on how many times you can use the discount code. So go ahead 
uh, again, good Father's Day gift maybe if you want to do that. And you can load up on the same meat snacks as the Eagles do. John, what do you have next? All right. So I wanted to just mention, I wanted to double back on your on your O'Brien, Deshaun Watson. And I don't have them in my top 16 mm. at all. As wow. much as I like as much as I like Deshaun Watson, that's how much I dislike Bill O'Brien. And what I was going for with, with my picks is I wanted to I wanted to find a combination of head coach and player where they both help each other. You know, and I don't think Bill O'Brien does a thing to help Deshaun Watson. Trading away DeAndre Hopkins, for one thing, is is so counterproductive to, to helping your quarterback be better. I know they have Brandon Cooks, and they went out and they got Randall Cobb to play in the slot. So they've got Cooks and Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb and, and, and Will Fuller. And so they, I guess they have some, I guess they have a, a talent in, at, at the wide receiver position. There's there's no doubt that they can, that they can still probably throw the rock around, but I'm just not I'm not there on the Texans and and I think Bill O'Brien actively hurts his quarterback and so that's one of the reasons why I didn't have them in my top 16 although if if I'm ranking just quarterbacks I I have Deshaun Watson very very high on the list for sure he's probably right around where I would have Carson Wentz I I think they're both very very similar in terms of in terms of upside and potential and talent and just different kinds of talent between those two guys. But um, I agree with you on Murray and Kingsbury. I, I, I had them at number 14 on my list. You have him like one spot higher than me picking number 13 there. So I think you're right. I think Murray's going to be much, uh, much improved. He had, a very, I think, a solid rookie season last year. I think he and Daniel Jones are going to take really good steps forward here in their second seasons. And, you know, I think I was among the people who were kind of mocking the Kingsbury uh, hiring last year um, a little bit, but I think it was, you know, he really turned that team around and I, I let Kenyon Drake calls him like a, a mad scientist as an offensive coach. And so I, it, it'll be interesting to see these two guys after their rookie se- after Murray's rookie season, what they're, what they're able to do together in, in Murray's second season. I, I agree with you. I think the Cardinals are a, they're a sneaky good team. I think that could be a loss for the Eagles this year. And if the 49ers, like I expect them to take a step back, and the Rams continue to struggle. I think that's a, you know, the Cardinals. If you're looking for a surprise division winner, it could be the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. It, it just just based on the fact that I I don't think I think the Rams continue to regress, and the 49ers will take a step back this year. That's going to be an interesting division, the NFC West. All right, so I'm picking now number 14 and 15, and so I'm very pleased to grab the number 11. Uh, the, the number eleven duo on on my list for for Bleeding Green Nation. I'm going Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan, mm. uh, with uh, with the number fourteen pick here. These guys really should have a Super Bowl win together. I mean, it's, it's they choked it up in the fourth quarter of Super Bowl Fifty One, and that's kind of tarnished both of their reputations a little bit. I know Kyle Shanahan gets a lot of the credit for Atlanta's run to the Super Bowl that year, as as well he should. We we see what a great offensive mind he is. But despite going one and seven to start the season last year. The Atlanta Falcons still did finish with the third most passing yards per game. They still have Julio Jones. Matt Ryan can still throw the football around. And they went on a late season run last year that I think is going to act as a springboard for them here in 2020. I think the Falcons are going to get off to a better start. Uh, And I think the passing offense is still quite healthy with Dan Quinn there uh, still as the head coach and and Matt Ryan continuing to do it. I think that's a, a, a team that has some pretty good chemistry as well. I think I think the Falcons take a step forward this year. And I think Quinn and Ryan showed last year that even in a bad season, and they're playing from behind a lot, so that's probably one of the other reasons why they finished with the third most passing yards per game, but they've shown they could still throw the ball, and I think that's a combination that, that still works pretty well. So I'm taking I'm taking Quinn and Ryan. That's good value at pick number 14 
uh, for me here in the draft. And then with my number 15 overall pick, I'm going to hold my nose and I'm going to take Sean McVay and Jared Goff oh, here. Boo. Because I know. I, I really wanted to drop them out of the out of the top 16 because it is entirely possible that Goff is terrible. He had, he had two seasons in a row where he had a quarterback rating over 100. Last year was was just awful. Pa- a pedestrian 86.5 passer rating. Is McVay no longer the genius? I mean, I think obviously all of that, you and I have talked about that before. McVay was way overrated as a head coach, getting all of the credit that really should have been going to Doug Peterson these last few years. And that all being said, I don't think McVay is a bad head coach, and I don't think Goff is as bad as he was last year, although he could mm. be. What real, I, I think this is still a combination. I still think this is a duo that can that can have some success together. I don't think Sean McVay is dumb. I think he's overrated, but I don't think he's a bad head coach. I think he's actually a very smart offensive head coach, and I think he'll be able to to help prop Jared Goff up to the point where Goff has a better season this year. I think Goff's probably a guy with a quarterback rating in the 90s this year, and I, I think I think the Rams have a little bit better of a season. I think, you know, I, I think that this is a team that probably misses the postseason once again, but They'll put up. They'll put up some points. They'll put up some yards. And if I have to, you know, number fifteen here, I think they're certainly among the upper half, the the first half of head coach quarterback duos in the NFL. BLG. So you've got one more pick at number sixteen, unless you want to jump in on on my two picks there. Yeah, I just want to say I I had Ryan and Quinn at eighteenth overall on my board, so I was lower on them. I just like they haven't gotten it done. You know what I mean? I, I think Quinn, too, obviously weighs that down to me. And I've never really been, like, the biggest Matt Ryan guy. Uh, just, I don't know. Just don't buy it as much, I guess. I feel like every year we're talking ourselves into maybe we're not appreciating him enough or whatever. And, and we're not mm-hmm. taking the Falcons seriously enough or, or people high in the Falcons. And they, they just seem to disappoint those expectations every year. Yeah. Maybe this is the year they don't do that. But, again, yeah, not so much of a Quinn guy there. Um, and then you also had... Uh, who now here? McVay Goff. Yeah, oh, McVay Goff. Yeah, I, I didn't even have them in my top nineteen. I didn't include them. Oh my them. goodness! And, what well, a fall! They were they were top. They were like a top three combination going into like going into last season. It's really what a fall. Jared Goff over his last twenty four games has a eighty two point two four passer rating. Ugh. I just I've never been a Goff guy. I've never been a yeah. McVay guy. Although I yes, I will admit you know like McVay is is a good bet here to you know to at least be decent of some sort, but. I just I don't believe it with Goff again. Like he, I, I think he folds. I think um, again, I can't get over that. It's it's an eighty two point two four passer rating. His last twenty four games. That's a big sample. That's like a season and a half worth of games. I just yeah. I, I don't want to. I'm I don't want to be the one betting on that. Uh, so you, I will gladly cede them to you. Uh, and with my final <laughs> pick here, oh man, this is hard because I'm down to two. Uh, my my top mm-hmm. two remaining here. And I might have to go off the board. Uh, well, oh boy! I'll go on top three. Okay, so fourteenth right, year. Right. Well, I talk have... it, talk it out to me. Get you get talk to me about your three that you're that you're talking about here. Let's let's yeah, talk yeah. this out. Yeah. So number fourteen, I have uh, Phil Rivers and Frank Reich. I just you know I like Frank Reich. We all I think we all do. Obviously, yeah. We all believe in him. I just don't know what Rivers has left, so that kind of makes me right. you know a little nervous here. And a new system, you know, off season, and that we're counting you know again the stuff into account. We're taking the like no off season stuff into account because this is for twenty twenty. And I just wonder mm-hmm. you know how much he's going to be able to gel with everyone, and again how much he has left. Although you know Reich and Rivers did work together in San Diego when they were out there, so they have some familiarity. Um, and I, and I like Frank Reich, so I think he can kind of make it work. 
Number 15, I have Matt Stafford and Matt Patricia. Like, all the way out on Matt Patricia. So, (laughs) nothing to do with him here. But Stafford is not bad. Like, and he was actually doing pretty good before he got hurt last year. And I think he could come back and have, like, a pretty solid season. But I just don't trust Patricia. So, like... It's it's the upside of the quarterback there, but I just I really do not like the coaching. And then number sixteen, I have Joe Burrow and Press Taylor's brother Zach Taylor, just because mm-hmm. I do believe in Joe Burrow a lot, and I think the upside again is there. If this is kind of that would be kind of like a Kyler Murray pick here, where I'm just kind of gambling on the upside. But you know the no off season and he's a rookie, and I still think that Bengals team lacks a lot of talent in a lot of places, so it's going to be hard for me to go with it. I, I guess I'll just stay true to my board, and I'll take Rivers okay. and Reich here just because I believe in the coaching, and I think Rivers is good enough that he's not going to screw things up, whereas I think Matt Patricia could screw things up entirely oh, on the yeah. coaching end. Yeah. So uh, I'll cap it off with Rivers and Reich. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good pick. I did not have Rivers and Reich in my top 16, although you're making me rethink it a little bit um, because I do love Frank Reich. I mean, he's obviously a really good coach. And if, and if Philip Rivers, he had, you know, he's played pretty well. He continues to play pretty well. He, unlike Big Ben and unlike Tom Brady, I don't get the feeling that he's washed. I agree with you. I think that he he does have something left in the tank, so that's a pretty good combo. And, you know, working with Frank Reich, Reich's going to get the most out of him. I You mentioned I have two teams, number 15 and 16 on my list, that, uh, that you didn't mention, two combinations. The first being, and again, this is maybe I overval- overrate this player a little bit, but when you look at the offense that they have, when you look at the success that they've had over the last few years and some of the numbers that he's put up, I think you have to put Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins in the top 15 here. I have them at my number 15. It's boring. I don't love Mike Zimmer. I don't love mm. Kirk Cousins. Of course but they you make- would. <laughs> but they make it work, BLG. They do. Mm-hmm. They Every year, they... And you look at the talent that they have on the offensive side. I know they lost Stephon Diggs, but I love Justin Jefferson. I think he's going to be a really good player for them. And you still have Adam Thielen, who I know has has butted heads with, uh, with different members of his team as well. It's not exactly the good ship lollipop over there, but I think that's a team with Dalvin Cook, you know, coming back. And um, I think... Or not coming back, but Dalvin Cook is in the backfield for them. I think... That's a good offense, and I think Zimmer and Cousins. I I like them. I like them ahead of some of the other some of the other duos that that you mentioned. Although I'm I am rethinking Rivers Reich. I might have to put them above Zimmer and Cousins on my list. the The other duo that I was thinking of, and this is maybe this is a little bit of pandering here. I've got Matt Nagy and Nick Foles at number sixteen. <laughs> Matt Nagy obviously coached under Doug Peterson. I think Nagy has an idea of what Nick Foles can do. And if you put Nick Foles in the right system and you get him some talent around him, Nick Foles can be a very, very good quarterback in this league. Now, we've seen with Jacksonville, if you don't do that, what it, what it could look like. But I've got Matt Nagy and Nick Foles at number 16 because I think there's some upside there. And I think that Chicago could be a bounce back team here in, in 2020. So I don't know. What do you, is that too high for Nagy and Foles? I had him 19th, so not like crazy far off. I do think Foles is going to have a good year or at least some kind of success in Chicago, assuming he even gets the job, which I think he should, to be clear. But I don't know. Like they might just ride with Trubisky early on just to see like, you know, one last chance with him 
uh, you know, because he was the number two pick. Like, okay, let's give Mitch one last chance to like be the guy. And then as soon as he screws up and gives us reason to pull him, we'll just put Foles in there. I could easily see it going that way as opposed to Foles just being the starter. But I don't know. Then again, you know, Nagy has experience with Foles. So does Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator for the Bears. So does John Filippo, Bears quarterback coach. So there are a lot of Foles allies in that regime. And we could see Foles take over sooner than expected. And I, I just, I do think Foles is going to bounce back this year. I really do. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be, you know, better than Carson Wentz nearly. I, I don't think he's going to be a top right. quarterback. Right. I, and I still have questions if he can make it through a season, something he literally has never done. For as much as we right. talk about how Carson Wentz is injury prone, Nick Foles has never made it through a full season ever in his career. So, <laughs> excuse me. So, um, I'm not saying, you know, I, I have 19th, so I don't even have him in the top half of the league, but, uh, right. I did have him, you know, closer to the middle as opposed to towards the bottom. So, so yeah. Uh, I, it's I not as good. hot. It's not as hot takey as I was thinking. Maybe it would be then. Uh, that's good to know. All right. Right. All right. Well, that's our list, folks. That's our top sixteen right there. There's obviously once you again once you get down below ten, it really just kind of depends on how you view the relationship between the head coach and the quarterback and and what you see each. Uh, needing to do to help each other out and you know a lot of it does also depend on the the talent that the coach surrounds his quarterback with too so uh, but that's our list folks uh why don't you should we uh should we have the kids um uh, comment uh, on and and uh you know do a give, give, give a hashtag yeah let's hashtag this thing so we can so we can get some listener participation here what should we have what should we call this hashtag uh, hashtag bgn qb hc rankings there you go. Yeah, give us Very your direct. give us your rankings. Nice and nice and smooth, folks. So you'll be able to know exactly what it is. Hit us, spoke. Hit the BGN Radio uh, Twitter feed. BGN underscore Radio on Twitter. At Brandon Gowton on Twitter or at John Stolness on Twitter. Get all get all of us on the Twitter and let us know what you think. So, a couple other things uh, before we wrap up here. Should we take our last break before we do that, BLJ? Yes, John. We will be back right after this. All right, we're back on BGN Radio here to finish things up. And a um, couple other uh, pieces of, of news and other points of interest here. BLG, it looks like that uh, in the uh, in this era of COVID-19, uh, we're going to have a shorter preseason this year. It looks like the NFL is talking about playing just two preseason games, which I'm thrilled with. I, I imagine that most of the people who cover Eagles football don't necessarily enjoy going to four preseason games because especially... The way teams approach the preseason nowadays, nobody plays in these things. It's all, it's all about finding players 48 through 53 and, and who your practice squad guys are going to be at this point with preseason. I mean, two games, that sounds about right, right? Yeah, I wonder if that's how it's going to go. Um, obviously, I think the owners don't like losing those you know, revenue right. and everything, but but, I, but we'll see. Uh, there's, not gonna be fan, be- there's not going to be any fans in the stands anyway, so they're not losing any more revenue than they otherwise would. Which well, TV, you know, TV this. stuff, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Obviously, I don't, I don't know the whole machinations of all of this, but I think it'll be interesting to see. You know, like when training camp starts sometime. There's some talk that it could start like mid July as opposed to very late July. So we'll see if they kind of extend that because of you know no spring practices. I wrote an article last week for Bleeding Green Nation, John, kind of wondering aloud, like, I wonder if teams are going to approach preseason differently this year and, like, play their starters more just because you're not going to have, you know, the usual offseason reps. So why not uh, get some more of those in the preseason? And when you look back at the Eagles' history here, like, uh, the way they've handled starters playing in the preseason, the years they didn't have joint training camp practices, 
which were 2016 and 2018, they played their starters a little bit more than they usually did in the years that they did have those joint training camp practices, which will not be happening this year because of COVID and everything the NFL announced. Uh, so I wonder if we could actually see the starters a little bit more than we usually would in the preseason this year, not only obviously with the Eagles, but league-wide. So that's something kind of interesting to think about. And on the note of you know this lack of off-season reps, Carson Wentz, John, working out with Jalen Rager and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. And I think yeah. Greg Ward and I think Marquise Goodwin, couldn't tell for sure, uh, in Houston. He also did this with some Eagles teammates last year, so uh, not totally brand new. Uh, you know, usually, well, obviously he did it last year. It's kind of like a passing camp between uh, mini camp and training camp. This year he's doing it now because, you know, they're not having OTAs and stuff. And we're, right. we've seen, like, Fletcher Cox work out with the defensive line, too. So it seems like the guys are kind of getting these small groups together to uh, kind of supplement or kind of do their best to replace the lack of the spring reps as much as they can on their end. So, uh, you know, we'll see how that pays off. Obviously, it's nice to see, you know, Carson Wentz working with someone who ideally is going to have a big role in the team this year in Jalen Rager. Yeah. So still a lot of that stuff to figure out. It's really uncertain and really, like, unclear. Even if training camp returns, John, like, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be covered. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be there. I'm, or, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to be there. It sounds like, yeah. uh, with the the guidelines that the NFL put out, like Les Bowen was saying that it sounds like we might only have a couple like pool reporters at training camp, which is, you know, really not ideal. And I get it for safety's sake, but that's like a big disservice to the fans if we're all just relying on like one person's training camp notes and they're not even necessarily even like. Because uh, some reporters like don't care, and that's fine. Like training camp notes aren't everyone's game, but like you know, if that reporter doesn't even like training camp notes and it's not doing them, then like you know, what are we doing here? Like fans want to yeah. know what's going on at training camp. Uh, so maybe they're not super important in the long run, but I want to know. So maybe that's just me being selfish, uh, or maybe me making the case why I should be there to give the people the notes, John. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, gonna be a weird. We need summer. your notes. It's going to be a weird summer for sure, and even if it does start earlier, you're right. I think they'll be able to get some of the, some more of the OTAs in there. Well, I, I want you down at, tra at at training camp. I, I love getting all of the different notes because everybody sees things differently down there. Nobody mm -hmm. nobody looks at the same stuff. If people are focused on different players or different skill groups and things that they find interesting, so um, hopefully we'll be able to have more than just one or two people down there and uh, get a, a nice variety of. Uh, of observations from from training camp, I I think it's significant. Carson Wentz is uh doing is working out with with Rager and some of the other wide receivers because when you think about Wentz, he really is like a coach. He he has enough institutional knowledge of this offense and he has enough of an intuition and probably has an idea of the things that Doug Peterson wants to do that he can essentially run an, an OTA himself out there. And I'm sure it's not quite to that degree. It's not that organized probably, but. Um, it, it certainly is better than nothing. It's it's better than just meeting on Zoom and talking about what routes they're all going to run. So uh, that's definitely a good thing that they're, that he's out there doing that with those guys. And uh, hopefully that means that they won't miss too much of a step, uh, too much of a beat when training camp does come together here in the summer, provided there's no uh, big wave of COVID-19 that, that shuts any possible training camp down here in, in the summer, which I don't think people are really expecting. One last thing before we finish up here. Um, one of the things that uh, we have up on the uh, Bleeding Green Nation site is, are you buying or selling a Sidney Jones breakout season here in 2020? And I think that most Eagles fans probably are not. But Well, we can look uh, at the let poll, me get John. Let's look at the poll. What does the poll say, BLG? So the poll, you might be surprised. It's actually more are buying than not. Uh, with over, let's see here, the count of the voters. 
as the page loads, it's taking a while to load. <laughs> edit this. I don't know why it's taking. All right, here we go. Uh, 2,343 voters. We have 57% are buying and 43% are selling. And I'm with the buyers. I, I thought that I'd be kind of on an island here, but uh, I, I, you know, even before I realized, and, and Mike Kay reported this, uh, great NJ.com reporter, former BGN alumnus, uh, that he's been working with a notable defensive back developer and trainer named Ronnie Braxton in Texas this offseason. He's worked with guys like Akib Talib, Chris Harris, uh, Bradley uh, Roby, Will Parks, New Eagles defensive back. Yeah, I, I think. I think that even before that, he showed some flashes at the end of last year in the very limited playing time that he got. He's, you know, there's a, there's a reason he was taken in the second round. He would have been a first round pick. And if he's healthy, I think he got a little bit more confidence at the end of last year. And, and we'll use that as a springboard. And I think here's the other thing that, that I don't think people talk a lot about. Getting Darius Slay on this team takes some of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. When you've got the number one cornerback on the other side of the field and he can pretty much locked down the other team's number one wide receiver. I don't think the pressure is on Sidney Jones as much. And and the guy like Darius Slay, I don't know how much of a mentor he is to younger defensive backs or how much he's going to help. But, I mean, you would certainly think that Slay will be a good influence on these guys that will, will help some of the younger guys develop. And I think Sidney Jones is a guy, if he's healthy, he's got the talent to be a, a good cornerback. And if we're talking about a Sidney Jones breakout season, I don't think we're talking about like a nine interception season, but just a guy who who you feel like can do a reasonably good job, a, a solid job against another team's number two uh, wide receiver on the outside. Is, is that kind of what we're talking about here? That's part of the equation here. And I'm selling on him. You know, I've never been the biggest Sidney Jones fan since the, I was a big fan of his going up to the draft. Then the injury kind of just made me, you know, think, okay, I don't really know. He's going to be the same player. And sure enough, he really hasn't been to this point. He's been a bust for the Eagles. You know, he had those two big plays down the stretch last year, and those are great against, you know, the Giants in week 14 and then the Cowboys in week 16. And they were huge, but, you know, it's a small sample size as well. It's like a couple of plays. Um, and it's also, it didn't amount to anything in the sense of he was inactive for the playoff game, basically. I mean, he played four special team snaps. Like, so he, he was four, four of those away from being a healthy scratch. And he was a healthy scratch in a couple games earlier in the year. And he only played on special teams in like a couple more games than that. So, uh, you know, so I, I think the coaching staff is clearly just higher on Avante Maddox than Sidney Jones. And I'm really going to go all in on Avante Maddox. I'm buying him. I'm buying on him yeah. to bounce back after he showed, I thought, really in, like good promise as a rookie. I know he's had some yeah, struggles on the outside. Like you look at that Bears game against Allen Robinson, and you look at last year against um, Devontae Adams. Like he's had his rough moments for sure on the outside, and his, his size or his lack of size and his lack of length is always going to be a concern out there. But the Eagles are really talking him up. You know, you have Howie Rosen comparing him to Daryl Green and Aaron Glenn, like like you know these, these shorter corners who were able to start on the outside. So uh, I just I buy Avante Maddox. I think Maddox. It's it's interesting because someone asked me a question in, a, in the BGN comments this week when I did a Q and A on there about like who could kind of be the breakout uh, player for this team and who could lead the team in interceptions. And I said Derek Barnett and Darius Slay, but I was like, 
I might just say Avante Maddox for both. I'm going to be bold and say Avante yeah. Maddox leads the team in interceptions this year because I think teams might be staying away from Darius Slay a little bit, especially if he makes some plays early in the season. And it's it's so much easier to, to pick on Maddox because of his lack of size. So I think he's going to get targeted a decent amount. And I like Avante. I think last year uh, didn't go as well as it could have really for him. And I think maybe moving him to the outside where he actually is more experienced than he does playing in the slot. He didn't really play in the slot at Pitt. And he was in college. So I think he actually might be more suited for the outside in terms of just experience, not necessarily, you know, his size. But I'm buying Avante Maddox and I'm selling Sidney Jones. I think I think Maddox could kind of have this bounce back season. I put him on my list of players, eight players, eight Eagles players who could have bounce back season. So also check that out on bleedinggreatnation.com. Yeah, we got lots of good stuff up there, and uh, we'll have uh, we'll have more stuff going up during the course of the day. We'll have that QB head coach piece going up later in the day, so um, there is a, a lot of good stuff up there. I, I think, you know, for, as far as another—I don't know that I would have Sidney Jones at the top of my bounce-back candidate list, but I think—I I know a lot of people are, are, are feeling Derek Barnett this year. I, I'm not feeling Derek Barnett this year. I'm just not—I'm underwhelmed. By, mm-hmm. by Derek Barnett as a as a former first round pick, and I I really need to see it before I'm. But I mean, I guess that's the whole point of a bounce back candidate is get trying to pick a guy who hasn't shown it before, and and uh, and 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 we'll do it again. I think I think one of the other guys that everybody's been mentioning, and I think this is the guy that I would point to as well as Fletcher Cox, who had a down year last year. There's just no other way to put it. I mean, they we were relying on Malik Jackson to kind of give him some help in the middle, and when, and when Jackson went down in week one, that was a that was a we forgot about how big a loss that was as the season went on because there were so many other losses during the course of the season and we fixated on the offensive issues that were going on. But Malik Jackson going down really hurt Fletcher Cox, really hurt the defensive line because you were counting on getting that inside pressure to help out the edge guys, to help out Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and Vinnie Curry to to get to the quarterback, pushing, making it so the quarterback didn't have anywhere to go. And, and then it's a feeding frenzy at that point. And that never happened last year. So now you've got Hargrave, you've got hopefully a healthy Malik Jackson, and I think you're going to see a bounce-back season from Fletcher Cox here in, in 2020, and hopefully that'll mean good things for Barnett and for Brandon Graham. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, but um, that's, I think, Fletcher, and I think most people have Fletcher Cox at breaking back out again this year. He's just too good to have another season where he has as few as sacks. What do you have, like three and a half sacks last year, I think it was? Yeah, or second was it? second yeah. lowest of his career. Yeah. Yeah. He's just he's better than that. I mean, he he should be he should be getting to the quarterback a little bit more often than that. And I think he will here in 2020. All right, BLG, as we wrap up episode 123, any final thoughts from you, my friend? John, it was great doing another episode with you. The time flew by. Uh, Back at you, pal. Thanks, bud. Uh, you know, I hope everyone enjoyed the rankings again. Get in the conversation with our very laborious hashtag, hashtag BGN QBHC <laughs> rankings. If you want to <laughs> tell us your, you know, if we're wrong or if we're right, whatever, we'll, we'd love to hear from you. Either way, make sure you also, we hear from you in the, in the form of iTunes reviews, ratings, all that good stuff. Follow, uh, you know, all the Twitter accounts at John, you know, at John Stolness for John, at Brandon Gowton for me at BGN underscore radio and at Bleeding Green, the main account. Still trying to get to 100,000 there. Um, just want to say we'll be back, I imagine, with Jimmy Kemsky next week. I think he'll be back from his vacation, uh, you know, in uh, – I, I don't know where it is. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the Taj Mahal, uh, the pyramids oh. of Egypt. He could be – he's kind of, you know, traveling the world for all I know. Probably not. Probably not <laughs> so safe to do right now. Um, just kidding. But uh, this, and also just want to say thanks again for listening to this episode. Of BGN Radio presented by Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. Do, don't forget to use 
discount code EGN15 at checkout to get 15% off, especially again with Father's Day coming up. It's a great gift. All right, folks, that'll wrap up episode 123 of BGN Radio. For Brandon Gowton, I'm John Stolnes. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next time here on BGN Radio. BGN. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.